This is the Small Mouth Crush Podcast Season 2. If you're a hardcore angler, you've come to the right place. This podcast that will interview some of the top local and regional anglers in North America. Anglers who consistently finish near the top in both largemouth and smallmouth bass fishing tournaments. Travis and his guest will discuss techniques and strategies used to help these anglers stay so consistent and help you become a better angler and gain an edge on your body of water. And now, here's your host of the Smallmouth Crush Podcast, Travis Manson. Hello, welcome to the Smallmouth Crush Podcast. My name is Travis Manson. Here we are another week talking with some of the top local and regional anglers across the country. And again, I mean, the information we've been getting from season two has been great. It's been a lot of uh, lot of great information with a lot of anglers all over the country doing their thing teaching us how to become a better angler ourselves. And I'm really excited for this week's guest. But before we go there, you guys know the drill. We got to talk about The Real Shot. The Real Shot's been the sponsor of the podcast. And it's where I buy all my tackle when it comes to bass, all my bass fishing needs, especially when you got that code, Smallmouth Crush 15, 15% off your first order over at therealshot.com. They got all the different baits you need. Same day shipping, fast delivery. What more do you want? Check it out, therealshot.com, Smallmouth Crush 15. Let's bring Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Travis. How about you? Good. I'm excited to have you on the show because I know we fish a lot of the same bodies of water, and you've had quite a bit of success when it comes to the tournament level. And, and this, this season's theme on the podcast is really talking about what it takes to become an efficient tournament angler like yourself. If you could maybe take a moment to – Introduce yourself, let some of the viewers and listeners know a little bit more about Ed. Okay. Well, I'm Ed Casey. take residence up in Whiteford, Maryland. I grew up here on Chesapeake Bay. Fished Chesapeake Bay pretty much all my life as a child and as I grew older. My plan's fishing this year. I'd probably be fishing the BASS Open. The first three, trying to make my dream come true with the uh, maybe entering, getting into the Bassmasters Classic one day. Yeah. Um, other than that, fishing a few uh, major league fishing. Uh, not sure if we're going to fish the Toyota Series this year, but we'll be fishing some of the BFLs. Yeah, you you do fish a lot of the a uh, lot of local tournaments that we fish out of the Chesapeake, and then you do a lot, a lot of traveling regionally. Anyways, fishing the Opens and some of the Toyota Series in the past. How long have you been in the tournament game? I'll be honest with you, Travis. I don't want to give my age away, but I'm old. <laughs> But uh, I started tournament fishing when I was 16 years old. Whoa. I'll tell you wow. at my age. I'm 64 years old. A long time. I don't, I don't feel like it, but, you know, I, that's what I am. And it's, hey, it's only a number. Right. Exactly. Exactly. What are some of your favorite bodies of water to tournament fish on? A few of them, actually. I, I love Champlain most of my life. I've had a lot of success in my early days on Champlain. But then I'd probably say a thousand islands and then Lake Oneida. I loved them. Northern New York lakes. I lived up there for a while. I relocated for a job I had and uh, didn't get to fish while I was up there working. But afterwards, and now my flexibility lets me fish a little more. I get to go up there. A lot mm -hmm. of fun. I love the areas. As far as growing up near the Chesapeake Bay and fishing there, is that where you really started tournament fishing or was it in other bodies yeah. of water? Well, it was uh, my first tournament that I'd ever fished in my life. I probably the I fished little club tournaments. We fished like the Nanticoke, Chop Tank, 
Wiconico River. Uh, but my first real getting a taste for the tournaments was probably on a Potomac. Actually, I'd never been in a real bass boat before, and I was 16 years old. I got paired up with a gentleman who some people may know. He's an old-time guy now like me, but Bob Dobart. And he had a boat that probably ran 70 or 80 mile an hour, which I'd never been that fast in my life in a boat. Mm -hmm. So I actually learned uh, that I wasn't as good as I thought I was when I fished with those guys. Did you start out as back in the day, did they have like a co-angler boater type events or how was it? Was it, was it some yeah, team well, tournaments or? No, it was a co-angler draw. Um, you know, I fished as a co-angler because I wasn't fortunate enough to have a boat at that point in time in my life and just fish what I could. I just loved the sport and I loved to compete. And once I learned uh, that I wasn't as good as I thought I was, because <laughs> there's a lot of good fishermen out there, mm -hmm. um, you know, I kept moving on up and trying and practicing and going out as co-anglers, learning the bodies of water and going from there. When was your first memorable win or your first win that you can, that you can recall? Probably was on Lake Champlain fish bass in America back in the day and red man, which some people may remember that before it came FLW and the rest of them, but that would probably be my first win a memorable win. We were coming out of Ticonderoga, but we didn't take the weights that it takes now. Okay. But with electronic equipment today, it's a whole new ball game. You know, I mean, we we're fishing with flashers and we never knew if, you know, live scope or 360 or anything at that point you seen a little flashing screen you better knew what it meant so back then when when you when you had your your first win on champlain out of tie was it still pretty much largemouth down in that area or or was there some smallmouth mixed in at the time yeah, there was there was uh probably more largemouth but uh when i won i did have a mixed bag you know we were catching a few smallmouth but nothing like the size that we're getting today what's your favorite species to target on Lake Champlain. Oh, I love the smallmouth fishing now, without a doubt. I, I cried when, well, I didn't really physically cry, but I was a little upset when they started leaving tide and we started coming out of Plattsburgh. I'm like, oh, I, I got to learn something new, uh, new techniques, you know, drop shot, drop shot. And, uh, you know, I, I never really knew it. I never fished that way before in my life. And then I had to learn all that. So back in the day, I mean, you, you probably remember not, not having side image even. Oh yeah. I remember all that. I mean, I remember the first time I seen it side imaging, I was like, it just amazed. It blew me away. And, you know, like I said, when, when I first started fishing, we have nothing but flashers. That was pretty much it. And today I, I still wished I could get a flasher. Really? Especially at, yeah, at high speeds. I mean, every time I order a boat, I try to order a flasher uh, because at high speeds, that's definitely gives you a, a lot truer reading than, you know, the graphs that we have today. My oh, understand. My sure. Okay. As far as techniques go uh, on Champlain, what are your some your favorite ways to catch those smallmouth? Well, it's changed. Um, when I started, when I was young, I mean, we definitely I fished a lot of uh, finesse. You know, small four inch worms, uh, six inch worms, and now that's kind of all went away. And pretty much now, everything is drop shot, drop shot, and drop shot. I do a lot of jig fishing. It's probably one of my power baits I go to. Mm -hmm. uh, I got different types of jigs I use. It depends on what situation I'm in. If I'm in grass or, you know, if I'm fishing wood, flipping woods or docks or whatever. So having a jig in your hand is sometimes, uh, I guess, a confidence bait? Yeah, I, I put that in my hand anywhere. I know, uh, I don't know if it would be a football head jig, a swim jig, just depending on what time of the year. 
early in the season, what are some typical ways and types of jigs that you're going to be, be using that time of year? Well, early in the year, I'm probably going to start off with the football head jig for sure. Cause we're not, we don't have a lot of grass at that point in time early. And I'll pretty much just go with a football jig and, uh, you know, bouncing off the, the bottom, looking for wood structures or rocks, sandbars, you know, whatever, you know, and then just pretty much bouncing the jig around. When I first started fishing, the best jig I'd ever had in my hand was I had most of my success on, believe it or not, was the Johnny Morrison Bass Pro Shop, 99 cent jig. I mean, oh, yeah. I can remember that far back. And I mean, I used to just order, I'd order 50 at a time. I mean, 90% of them were black and blue. Uh, uh-huh. That's pretty much all I fish, but you know, now things are changed. I mean, I still look for those jigs though. You know, when I'm at the Bass Pro Shop, if I find something that kind of reminds me of the old days, I, I definitely put them in my cart. What type of jig trailers are you using? Um, I use the Kytec and I also use Kytec jigs. You know, it just depends on the time of the year. You know, when I go to my swim jigs, uh, be perfectly honest with you, and they don't sponsor me or anything like that, but I try to get my hands on Dave's jigs, uh, swim jigs. I learned the hard way when I've had guys beat me out of the back of my boat and pretty much that's what they're throwing. And I learned to buy them real quick. That's interesting. You don't hear a whole lot about that because I think everybody's trying to keep it a secret. Uh, they, They do make some great jigs. I was introduced to them a number of years ago and found out that you know fishing that swim jig on tidal water is definitely deadly and i know you probably do the same on tidal but are you using that as well up north oh yes sir yeah if i'm in the grass you know which i probably shouldn't let all my secrets out but yeah that's some of my number one baits to go to you know and i've got a dave's jig swimming if i'm fishing grass that's what i'm gonna have on there's sometimes they want a little bit faster retrieve sometimes they want that slow retrieve uh you know when i come through heavy grass always once it comes through that grass of course you're going to pause it you know and that's where a lot of your 99 percent of your bites come how about jig trailers when it comes to a swim jig yeah i use mostly kytec and range crawl you know okay like the kytec actual swim bait itself yep the swim bait yep so using the swim jig up north swimming it through grass working it through the structure uh, rod of choice and also line. I'm curious, are you more of a braid or are you straight floral or what's your setup when it comes uh, to jig I fishing? go straight floral. I mean, straight I use 15 pound fluorocarbon. Pretty much that's it. You know, I've tried it on braid. I know a lot of guys like, oh, go braid, you know, go braid, go braid. But I'll be honest with you, I just like the fluorocarbon. I hate using the term beat the bank, but do you like to get up shallow with the jig as well? Yes, I do. Uh, I usually start shallow, especially in pre-fish and stuff like that. I'll start shallow and work my way out. Because, I mean, the fish are there somewhere. You just have to locate them, find them. And with electronics, it's a little bit more easier today than what it was in the past. But I start shallow, then I work my way deep. But as I get out to deeper water, I definitely slow my retrieve down. I want to make sure I'm filling that structure on the bottom every second. You know, and that jig, if it has a twitch or something taps it, you're going to fill it. Especially on the fluorocarbon. You mentioned uh, your love for Champlain, Oneida, Thousand Islands. Is there a big difference in the way you fish all three of those lakes? Yeah, they're somewhat similar, but, uh, you know, I I pretty much stay when it comes to Thousand Islands. I'm, a, I'm the river guy. Um, I have went out to the lake. Unfortunately, I, I haven't had success like you have out there on the lake, but I just haven't put enough time out there. But uh, they do fish similar, but uh, there's a little bit here and there, like Oneida, definitely are different on Oneida compared to Champlain or Thousand Islands. And I have had a little bit of luck there. Didn't prove it last year on the BASS Open, but 
that was on me because I made some bad decisions. So what happened in that event? Were you on fish? Uh, I found fish. And I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. Like once you want a tournament and as well as you know, uh, people want to, if they see you, they're going to fish your area. So right. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't even fish my key areas uh, when I go up there and pre-fish because I know they've always got fish there. I've won more money on a couple spots than on that lake than anywhere I've ever been. And I don't touch them until the day of the mm. tournament. And then that's where I'm at. So it's an interesting comment you made, uh, the way you approach pre-fishing for a tournament. You have a lot of history. You've been doing this a long time. You fish a lot of tournaments. So you really stay off of your stuff, I guess, until maybe do you sneak in there at all or do you just. Every, once, you, in a, every once in a while, I'm, I usually I'm out early. I'm out late. I'm usually in the water before the break of day if I can get in the ramp. If not, I'll find another ramp that I can get in. And if I don't see a lot of anglers and I'm fairly close to the area, I will hit that area or late at night, I will go there. I try to get up early with my schedule and, and with a wife that understands my passion for the sport, she knows I got to practice. I mean, that's the whole key and success is tournament fishing. If you're not on the water, you're not going to do well. It's just that simple. And if I get up there early enough, there's not a lot of anglers. I do hit those spots a little bit. Very, very little though. Very little. If I only need to catch one fish, I don't stay there. Like a lot of guys, you know, I tell a lot of people, man, I've got, I've had terrible practice, but when I say it, it's because I'm fishing stuff that I don't know and I've yeah. never fished. I'm just looking for new areas. And then, and I keep telling myself, cause I, I will burn myself out sometimes thinking I'm not going to be successful in this tournament because of the practice I had. I was fortunate enough, you know, last year I won the Chesapeake and the reason why I did, and it wasn't because I'm a better fisherman than anyone else. I just located the fish. I had a crappy tournament on the James River. It was the BASS Open. I was disgusted with myself because I know that I could perform better than that. And I told my wife, I came back home, and, I, and I'm getting up there in age, so I needed a day or two to recuperate after that mm -hmm. tournament because I was down there probably fishing for about 10 days straight. So I came back, I chilled out, came back home on a Sunday. I told her, I said, well, I said, I love you and everything, but... You're not going to see me for about the next week or two, I <laughs> right. said, because I, I can't have this happen again. And I pulled up some old charts that I had from years ago on the bay. I loaded them into the Lowrance, and uh, I said, I'm going to hit them. And no one was on the water. I went out there. It was my first day of practicing on the on that body of water. Now, I don't pound it either. I don't fish a lot of tournaments on Chesapeake. Mm -hmm. I went to the spot. I banged the first fish I go to. I get one body about six and a half pounds. It's just an area you fished in the past. That's an area I fished in the past, way okay. before a lot of a lot of these guys even knew about fishing, you know, or didn't have any experience on the bay. You know, it was way before these big bags came out. And uh, the second fish I catch is a five pounder. Hmm. So I'm like, that's it. I'm not touching it no more. I'm not practicing it. I'm not even going to go buy it because you know as well as I know in this sport, if they see a bent rod. Uh, they're going to be in there on you. There's not a whole lot of sportsmanship like in the past. In the past, I mean, I fished the BASS in 92 and 93. And, I mean, I competed against Clun, you know, Nixon. All them guys were there. I didn't know crapola. I was this mm -hmm. younger guy that thought I knew how to fish, but I didn't. And that's when the Carolina rig was just first coming out. 
everybody was saying, oh, they're getting them on Carolina rigs. Well, I tried it. I didn't know how to fish it. I didn't do well. But, uh, I mean, it was the sportsmanship that was there, what I seen there. I mean, I watched Ricky Klum. We fished at Terminal on Kentucky Lake. And I'm probably getting off your subjects, but. No, I like it. I like it. We were, we were on Kentucky Lake. And the fish, it was fall. The fish were moving in. They was chasing shad. So, you know, your experience, my experience, everybody says, well, hit, you know, they're going to be coming in today. They're going to be on the secondary points in time of the year, which I knew. So I started pounding secondary points, found good schools of fish. I mean, they were just, it was loaded. It was like, I describe it as, um, it looks like you're popping popcorn. I mean, when they're chasing those shad and it's just all over, just poof, 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 just like popcorn uh, in a pot. So in a tournament on day one, I was fishing my secondary point. I looked over and who's beside me is Ricky Clun. I'm like, wow, that's Ricky Clun. And he's mm-hmm. my idol. So I'm watching him and I had five fish, but I mean, I didn't have nothing major, you know I mean? I just had a decent bag. Mm-hmm. Well, Ricky Klun comes in that day. He's fished only this spot and I've fished it since then. I haven't had success like him, but uh, he pulled in 30 some pounds of smallmouth that day. Wow. And I was like, wow. So I talked to Ricky that evening and they canceled our tournament the second day because we had some bad weather coming in. So they let us go on the third day. And I was telling Ricky, I said, Hey, uh, you know, I said, you know, I'm fishing right by you. He said, yeah, I seen you over there. And, uh, I was joking with him. I'm like, well, I told him, I said, you know, Ricky, I could kind of earlier launch you. I could go over and catch a few of your fish, you know, before you get there. All right. He looked at me and I said, well, Ricky, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do it to you. I'm not going to do it to any other competitor. I'm not, I don't do that. I said, I'll tell you what I would do. I will go over there and block that area for you. If I seen someone coming in and not fishing, but that's just me. That's the way I am. I, I, I think it's sportsmanship and Ricky ends up, he ended up winning that tournament. I think it was, yeah. it was either 90, late 92, I think it was. It had to be Could late Could you 92. see each other during the day? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. he was. Uh, he probably only was about, um, probably about a, at most, probably 100 yards from me. What the heck yeah, was he, he was, doing that you couldn't figure out? That's what I want to know. Well, <laughs> I can figure it out. I mean, I've watched him because he's like an artist at work. And uh-huh. uh, he was fishing between the main river point and the secondary points. He was found the Creek channel come out. And at that point in time, we were, they were, everybody was throwing a, a weighted jerk bait. Well, you couldn't buy weighted jerk bait. So it was back in the time to where you had to pretty much wrap lead or put the lead stickers on the side of the bait. And he basically, I mean, he was casting out. I'd watch him do his countdown. He'd get down to the level where he knew he had to be in where the fish were. And bam, 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 he started, you know, jerking that jerk bait. Next thing I knew, I'm like, I mean, I was just floored just to watch him. It was an honor just to watch him. Sure. Wow. And he, That's awesome. Out, did- yeah. The second day he came out, you know, when they did let us go the, on the third day, he ended up with another 30 some pounds out of the same spot. And I'm like, wow, I'm that close to the fish, but I couldn't find him. You know, uh-huh. I just found largemouth. He's got smallmouth. All of them are smallmouth. I'm like, I didn't even know they had smallmouth like that, you know, <laughs> right. in no. on that lake, but he found them. Man, I bet you have a bunch of stories like that. You know, all these events that you fish, what's probably your most memorable win that you had fishing, uh, you know, throughout your, th- throughout your life. I've come in, you know, in the coasters, I come in, I had three top 10 finishes. Uh, that was highlight for me. Um, 
I mean, I, I was happy that yeah. I accomplished that. My wins probably, I mean, just when my family's around, they're all memorable. You know, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. all about, you know, people that you can share the moment with. And uh, that's probably my most favorable when, when my family's around and when I have that win. You know, so if it be Champlain, I, I mean, Champlain probably was most memorable. That was always my favorite lake prior before I started fishing a thousand islands in Oneida because Oneida came sure. in late in the ball game, you know, for me. As far as tournament fishing there. As far as tournament fishing. Yeah. Do you have any other favorite bodies of water that you like to fish? Well, I haven't been to them in a long, long time, but back in the early nineties, Sam Rayburn was probably one of my favorite, but I, I love that body of water. I caught some humongous fish, probably some of the biggest fish I've ever caught. I mean, my wife probably had one on and, she thought she was hung. She had one about nine pounds. Unfortunately, it got off and we were at mm-hmm. Sam Rayburn. But uh, yeah, that's that's a nice place. And, and I've been around, like you said, a lot. But I love these northern lakes. <laughs> I yeah. can't get away from them. I love the smallmouth. What's your goals moving forward? You mentioned you want to fish the Opens and, and possibly you'd love to fish the Classic. You'd love to get a win and be able to do that. But if you actually qualified for the Elites, is that something you would do? Um. I would have to look at if I qualified for him, I probably would like to do it. Now, mm. if I can or not, you know, I have a construction company, environmental company, so it's a little tough to get away. I mean, I can make it work and I probably would give it some consideration. My wife would tell me, yeah, you're definitely going to fish it. Really? Yeah. My, my goal right now is I want to win one of these next three and it's kind of set up. I think this is my best opportunity year this year. I mean, we start off in the James, then we're going to uh, Oneida, mm-hmm. and then we're here at the home water. We're in Chesapeake Bay, which I don't know how well I'll do on the James. That's I love that down there, but I've I've always it's always been tough on me. I've always had great practices. I just I don't know if I'm making the wrong decisions. I don't know what it is. I just can't put it together on the James. But I I will be giving it 110 percent when we go down there. You know I plan to go down there as soon as. Got a new boat ordered. As soon as it comes in, it'll get broken, and I'll be heading to the James. Right. And spend as much time as I can, and then I go to a night after that. And my goal is to make it. I like to fish the Classic. That would be a sure. dream come true. Right. You know? what, out of all three, which one are you looking forward to the most? My best odds to win is probably Lake Oneida. Oneida, yeah. And, I mean, I've got a couple – I got a couple – Top tens there. Uh, I've won a tournament there in the BFL, and I've always usually placed in the money until last year. Mm-hmm. And I just I made some poor decisions, uh, real poor decision on my part. I knew where the fish were. I mean, I knew where all these guys were fishing. I mean, they were fishing. I got a friend that lives on the lake there, and I stay with him when I go up to pre-fish at his house. And they were fishing outside of his house. I mean, I could see him in the evening. I mean, I'm seeing like an Ellie there, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night. And he's hitting his hot spots too, because no one's around. And I mean, they're all there, you know, I mean, we were mm-hmm. fishing hard. I knew the fish were there. I don't want to, it's, it's all comes down to me, but I had, I draw, there's, I think there's three or four women that fish uh, as a co-anglers on the BASS opens. Well, I drawed one on the first day, great young lady. She really, she didn't have a lot of experience. I tried to help her. She did catch some bass. She got the way in. She was so excited, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of catered around that a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't have. Uh, I don't know. It's a good looking girl. She's a pretty girl. On the boat, <laughs> you know, right. but uh, 
And then I draw the second day, I draw another lady. And I knew I had to go to the far end of the lake and they would call for rough weather. And she had mentioned to me that she'd had a bad back, which I can sympathize with that because I've got a bad back myself. So I didn't make the long run, what I should have done. And that's on me because I should have told her we're going to make the run. And I did. And about mm-hmm. middle of the day, I'm like, okay, I got to make the run because I ain't got nothing. So I run halfway down the lake. By then we had good four footers on there. You know what it's like beating and banging. And I just, I stopped the fish a couple, I call them offshore, just places offshore there that mm-hmm. I fish. And uh, I stopped there and the weather was just so rough. And I was like, I couldn't catch any fish. We caught a couple shorts. I'm like, I'm done. I, I got to go back up and get in some quiet water. So there's a lot of different scenarios. Obviously, uh, being a nice guy and catering your co-anglers may have uh, may have hurted you a little bit. I mean, listen, I I remember that tournament you're talking about. I made the run to the opposite end of the lake, and it was not fun. <laughs> so oh, <I> know. <laughs> it was definitely a struggle. So fishing all these events, you know, throughout your career doing this. But what are some areas that you wish you could improve upon as an angler? Probably fishing. Uh, crankbaits would probably be my weakest. And I think it's just me because I don't know, I've gotten so used to catching fish on baits that I can just pretty much horse them in. And when it comes to slowing down, letting the fish do what it's got to do, I, I don't know if my adrenaline or just being excited or what, it, what's wrong, but probably deep water crankbaits. I mean, I own tons of them, trust me. I got a box, yeah. I got a truck full. Maybe I should right. say that. And, uh, I just, I cringe every time I have to put them on to catch fish because, and I think it's me. I just think I force them in. I lose a lot of them. That's probably the bait that makes me cringe. We we mentioned a little bit of, as far as your love of jig fishing and, and utilizing the jig. I always ask everybody on the show, if they had one bait of choice to use for the rest of the season, what would that bait be? Uh, I'm guessing you're going to be throwing that, that black and blue jig. You're hundred percent correct. Different, different times. I mean, different body styles of jigs, but it would be a jig. Yeah. It would be a jig. What are some other techniques that you that you feel really confident with uh, when it gets down to it? Well, I love uh, I love the drop shot. You know, it took me a while to learn that. Well, it's all about learning, you know, and how to fish it properly and stuff. And I talk to like guys like you and guys that I know that's been doing it probably a lot longer than me. And I watch people and I, I try to learn you know, a lot from you guys and other guys, even co-anglers in a boat, because some of them are phenomenal fishermen. They may not just have the, you know, the finances or whatever to own a boat, but a lot of them could be boaters and be top-notch co-anglers. I mean, top-notch boat, you know, boaters. Right. And I've, I've learned a lot of techniques and I love, I've learned, I feel pretty confident now with my understanding of a drop shot uh, where I can catch them on drop shot pretty good. And I mean, like I said, when it comes to thousand islands, I'm the river guy. So, I mean, I, I feel comfortable when I can go out. I should be able to catch 20 pounds of fish. And most of that's on drop shot up there. How are you breaking that body of water down? Are you, do you hit a lot of the same stuff? What do you look for? Because the St. Lawrence river, everyone's got a different take to it. You know, it's massive. You could go shallow. You can go deep. It sounds like you're going to have a, a drop shot in your hand quite a bit. Are you trying to target those deeper fish or are you yeah, going shallow as well? I target the deeper fish when it comes to that, you know, I mean, I do get up shallow. I mean, if they're up there feeding, I mean, you put that spinnerbait in your hand and, you know, you can go to town on them. But you know as well as I know, smallmouth are here today and gone tomorrow. And when we fished the uh, BASS Open up there, I was like, 
Oh man, I, I thought I had them figured out. And, Did you? Well, I thought I had. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I found some really super good fish, and uh, a friend of yours put me on them. He told me about the spot, Matt Stasiak, which oh, I've yeah? been on your show a few times. Sure. Yeah. I I never. I probably thanked him by text, but I really never called him up and thanked him. But uh, he gave me one spot, and I kind of. I, I looked at the spot and I'm like, well, it's, it's got to be a little more than that, you know? So I expanded his area quite a bit and I was finding I had some good fives and sixes and I thought uh, I was going to be somewhat good in that tournament, but it didn't turn out that way. So you had a good practice. You were excited. Yep. Did I you had a real good practice. One of the best and that, was, that I had. Then I've got local stuff that I fish all the time. And like I say, I stay off of it. I, I don't practice it. I know the fish are there. They're every year. They're there. So I like your concept, staying off your stuff when you're practicing for an event. But a lot of times, you know, a lot of guys don't have the experience, the years and the success in the past to have that confidence. What are some advice would you give to an angler that's possibly looking at fishing some of these lakes for the first time, or they're not real familiar with it? What would you do to try to have a successful event? Well, up there, I mean, I've learned it's all about current up there on a thousand islands. Uh, not so much current like on Oneida because there's not a whole lot of current. Maybe some on the north. Most of the current on Oneida is on the on the north shore. Of course, most people know that. They see it coming out of the rivers. It's on all the maps, topographical maps. But uh, for the thousand islands, I broke it down. If I didn't know that body of water, I would just hit as many spots as I could. I'd probably be 10 to 10 to 30 foot of water. I know it's, it's a big range, but I mean, that's where you're going to find them, you know, mm-hmm. and watch those graphs and hit as many spots as you can. If you're up there just pre-fishing, you know, and you don't know the body of water. And then I don't have your experience on the lake. I wish I did because I've, I've tried to go out there on that lake. I went out there, got seasick a few times. Really? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I stay, if I'm way offshore and I don't see, and if I once, if I'm not catching fish, I start feeling a little rough, you know, but I did the same way up on Erie when we fished out of Buffalo and, you know, just learning new spots and going way out there and can't see land. It's uh, I don't know what it is. I got a little sick. I've only been sick a couple of times, but that's how I've done it. But I wish I knew the lakes a little better, especially out there. I don't want to say I'm scared of it. I'm not scared of it, but I just don't know it. I can't find what I need to find out there. One day I will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will keep looking. I think you got the skills to be able to do it. It's really for me, I think it's it's applying some of the same techniques that you use in the river, but trying to figure it out on the lake. And just like you mentioned earlier in this episode, those smallmouth tend to roam. And so you could be in the right area, and they're just not there that day. So that's Correct. just like, think about tidal water, you know, being on the Chesapeake Bay. You know yourself, you could be in the best spot at the wrong wrong timing, right? Bad oh, tide. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. And you'll never know. You'll you'll write a lot of people will write that off and, and move on to the next. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Chesapeake being your home body of water, being right there. And you have this big event coming up at probably, I mean, in my opinion, one of the worst times to fish the Bay. I could be wrong. You yeah, might have a right. different, a different take on that. That's going to be a tough event. Yes, it is. It's going to be tough. Uh, you're not going to be seeing these 25, 30 pound bags come in at time of year. I don't think. I'm just going to go back to, for me, my take on that, what I'm going to be fishing a lot of areas that I grew up in. I mean, I will be hitting. It's going to be an interesting place for the viewers and listeners that are not familiar with the Chesapeake. Uh, 
I feel it's it's more of a spot oriented body of water than really a pattern type of body of water, meaning there's a lot of boats in certain areas that hold fish. And because of that, it's just a ton of pressure. So doing something a little different, trying to trying to get a, an edge on the competition and what it, what it's all about. Yeah, you got to definitely find something, get away from all them boats. I mean, we're all battling after the same fish. I mean, yeah, somebody's going to get them. But uh, if it's more than a one-day tournament and everybody keeps beating that water up, you know, as well as I know that it's going to be tough to mm-hmm. get good stringers for three days in a row. And I always look, I'll be honest with you, when I won the BFL, which kind of surprised me, I like I said, I pulled up some old graphs. I couldn't believe that someone else didn't find a spot. And I was hmm. like, I think I was boat 110. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, 109 people out in front of me. I know someone's going to be on the spot. So I'm riding, 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 riding. And then I'm like, wow, I'm getting closer. I don't see any boats. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, this can't be true. Right. So right. I pull up. I'm the only boat Jeez. within eyesight for this spot. <laughs> I looked at my co-hanger. I said, today's our day. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were fishing and, uh, you know, I started with moving baits. I was throwing rattle traps and uh, just tipping the grass. They were eating that very well. First thing in the morning, I probably end up 18, 20 pounds in the in the well, probably within an hour. Then it slowed down. And then I told my co I said, well, the tide's stopping. I said, it's going to be dead. So I said, if you want to eat a sandwich or something, it'll be time to do it now. I said, but you need to have a, a rod in your hand, you know. It just so happened that 115 was the key time. I said, they're going to start eating again. And I'd switch baits. He didn't have what I was throwing. I gave him one. You know, I always try to get my co-anglers to do the best they could. And I had a good sack. And I wanted him to get a good sack. He didn't want to change. Um, finally talked him into changing. But by the time I talked him into changing, they had pretty much gotten off of that moving bait. Hmm. And then I went to my swim jig. And uh, they just eating it up. And then a couple boats came by and seen me hook up about 130. Had two boats in on me, then another boat and another boat. And I said, you know what? I'm done. I knew I had really? 20, 21 pounds. So I gave it to them and I left. And I don't know how they did, but I just wanted to get off before everybody else started seeing it, you know, yeah, right. beating the crap out of it. So great information. You know, when, when you're preparing for an event, going out, doing what you do, that's awesome that you're able to, uh, you're sneaky, man. I didn't know you're that sneaky. Late at yeah. night, early mornings, that's when you hit the juice. So if I see you during the day, I'm not even going to pay any attention. I'll be like, oh, he's just out there. Wasting yeah. time, having yeah. fun. <laughs> I do. Re- I do remember one tournament I was fishing. I, I was on one of my key spots, and you went by me, but I don't think you recognized me. Really? So I didn't holler at you. You were moving quick, as right? you usually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're like you fish fast, and uh, we were on overnight. I was on one of my better spots when you went right by me. Interesting. So, well, I, I got to pay better attention. You, you were in tight. I'll put it to you this way: you were in tight, and I was a little offshore. Hmm. So, hmm. yeah, man, that could have been anywhere. <laughs> yes, it could have been anywhere. Exactly. You're not That's giving me anything that. to go on. That sucks. Anyways, uh, you know, we already asked you what your favorite bait is as far as one you could use. We talked about the jig. Great stuff. I, I got to ask you the other question that we always ask every guest. I want to know what your personal best largemouth and smallmouth is and a little story behind it. Yeah, well, my best largemouth is probably eight and a half pounds. I haven't got nothing bigger than that. I haven't been to Florida, done any fishing. I was on Sam Rayburn, but I should have got some big. I had big fish in practice, but never weighed them or anything back then. And so it's kind of like looking at them and guessing, you know, mm-hmm. but I did have an eight and a half on Chesapeake Bay. It was probably my on, the bay. on the bay. I caught that, uh, on the jig. <laughs> it was probably fall of the year and I actually caught it off some, uh, 
scattered rock. My small mouth was probably in my largest. Uh, I, I weighed in, was in the uh, Costa series up there on a thousand islands. And I had one a little over six and a half pounds. And that was my, probably my best. And I caught that, of course, on a drop shot. Drop shot. What's your beta choice when you drop shot? Do you go? Do you have a variety of different ones, or do you try to I stick to a handful? I, I go different stuff, but I do use Gaijo baits a lot. Uh, hmm, cross yeah. shells, uh, I got a couple of secret baits that a friend of mine used to be in the business, and, uh, and no one manufactured them. I mean, he's the only one that gets them, and uh, that I did a lot of damage up there when I finished in the top ten with that bait on the river. So I've got them. I got a few, and me and Paul Kimball share them a little bit, and we've done pretty well. Paul had, Paul had 23 pounds of something out of the river off of that bait. And I've come in with 20 and him, him and I was fishing some of the same area. Cause like we are friends and everything, we shared a little bit of information. And so I knew he had a good chance of win and I wanted him to win. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to touch this stuff. Uh, it's all yours. I said, you got it. I said, but I'm only giving it to you till 11 o'clock hmm. after right. 11 o'clock. I'm coming over to see you. So he didn't do well. I did come back in that day and end up beating him out because he had a bad day. On the second day, he just made some bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But it was all caught off of that bait. That's one of my secret baits right there. So that's about my best, and that's about right. it. No, that's great. That's great. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I want to know if uh, anyone wants to follow you on social media, uh, how, how can they keep up with what you got going? These, these uh love to yeah. follow your your opens this coming season and, and see, uh, see if you can get the job done this year. Yeah, I'm hoping I get the job done. Well, really I don't have anything I put out there. I'm an older guy, so I don't right. know this high tech stuff that you do. And I appreciate the opportunity being on your show. And yeah, the only thing I do is, uh, I don't have an Instagram. My, my son told me I was a little too old for that, but uh, <laughs> right. that's my right. younger son, but, sure. uh, I only have Facebook and I very rarely get on it that much. Uh, I, I look at it in the mornings and stuff like that for uh-huh. in the evenings. Sure. And uh, other than that, I guess I I need to do a little bit. Maybe I need to get some tips from you. Vix has helped. Vix has helped me quite a bit. Um, and I'm not saying it because they do help me a little bit. I I've been preaching to them before they even helped me. I bought my first boat from them. I this will make my fourth boat. I ordered from Vix out of Kent, Ohio, Vix Sports Center. Uh, he sells skeeters. He sells Rangers. I've always I've only had a Ranger. I bought my first Ranger in 1987. Whoa. I still have that boat. Uh, it's my, I gave it to my older son uh, and I, it still looks as good. Well, let me put it this way. When I gave it to him, it looked as good as it was when I bought it. Sure. Right. It looks like a brand new boat, but uh, Vix is, uh, they're, they've been outstanding, man. And it's not only just for me. I mean, I see what they do for bass fishermen. You know, they're big in a walleye. I mean, if you got a tournament coming up and you need service done, I mean, you're going to go to the front of the line. And I mean, I've went up there on their days off. They shut down on Wednesday and Sundays. They're closed. And I said, Hey, I'm driving up, um, which takes me about five and a half hours from my house. And he'll have a mechanic come in and do whatever I need done. Mm-hmm. And it, it, like I say, it's just not for me. It's yeah. for anyone, everyone. And then I got to give a shout out to being on the Mercury pro staff teams really helped me a lot. And uh, I got Sims, you know, and then I got, of course, my company, CNW Construction Company, that helps me do what I can do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's about it. But I'm always open for more sponsors, Travis. There you go. We'll send them your way, man. Seriously, I do appreciate. It. I I consider you. I respect you a lot as a fisherman. I know. Uh, I know a lot of us watching, especially here in this area. You're always uh, 
you're always a threat on these bodies of water. So we certainly appreciate you coming on the, uh, the podcast this week. Well, thank you for having me and, uh, hope, uh, we all have a good season this year. Absolutely. And as always guys, until next time, we'll see you on the water. Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show and follow us on Instagram at Smallmouth Crush. Also, the YouTube channel, Smallmouth Crush. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a five-star rating and comment with a review below. And as always, until next time, we'll see you on the water. 